Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Schweitzer. Welcome to worship today. It is good to be with you wherever you're at. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor and our host for this experience today. If you're a guest with us, really glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. Check in with us. We'll send you a Starbucks digital gift card out to you right away and enjoy some brew on us. Today, we're really looking forward to continuing our series. It's the third week of a series that we're calling Elijah, Just Like Us, as we explore the life and faith of Elijah. Pastor Spencer will lead us through the scripture today, and God has a message for us all. And if you'd like to go deeper into the message, go to sumc.co slash next. We have discussion questions about the sermon and so much more. So please uh, do that if you desire to go deeper. And now let's, uh, let's hear from Stephanie, who does such a great job of keeping us updated on what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. It's hard to believe that September is almost over, but we're really excited about everything coming up in October here at Schweitzer. The second weekend in October, our second season ministry will be hosting a Boomer Bash on Friday night, October the 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. featuring live music, food, and games. Then on Saturday the 9th, we're hosting a guest speaker who will be here to share with us ways to get involved in your community with serving and also ways to just maximize this season of life. You can sign up for either event or find out more at sumc.co slash second season or chat with somebody in the lobby today. The next weekend on October 16th and 17th, Schweitzer's hosting a women's retreat in Branson for women of all ages. This will be a time to find relaxation, encouragement, and we know you'll come back refreshed from this fantastic fall event. The event will occur all day Saturday and part of the day on Sunday. And to reserve a room at this special rate, you'll want to sign up by September 30th. So get on that really quickly. You can find out more information at sumc.co slash women's retreat or by chatting with one of the ladies in the lobby today. There has been a lot happening this fall for kids here on the Schweitzer campus, including Route 56, R&R Nights, and Schweitzer Youth on Wednesday nights. Be sure and save the date for October 24th for our Fall Festival, which will be a fantastic event for all families. You can find out more at sumc.co slash kids. We are so glad you're with us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. We appreciate you. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Say hi to your friends. Also, give us your insights. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you would like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button. We have people available to pray with you. And again, we'd love that privilege. And now let's, uh, let's rejoice and be glad in this day. Let's worship and celebrate God together. Let's worship.
As we come to this time of prayer, we thank God for the gift of prayer. Prayer is crucial in our life with God and others. It is, makes a huge difference in really the transformation, not only of our lives, but the world that God loves so much. And this week, as we hear in the scripture with Elijah, Elijah is a person of uh, a faithful prayer, believing that God desires to hear from us, that God, uh, as we seek God, uh, we will hear God's heart that will align with ours. And, and so we, we're invited to pray as Elijah did, uh, who is a person just like us, with boldness, uh, taking risks, and really believing that God desires to move, and God is moving. And so today, let's not hold back. Um, let's uh, let's uh, trust God, not having to know all the answers and how how everything works, but that God hears our heart. We desire God's heart and we just pray faithfully. So now I invite us to pray together. Prayer is a good mystery. Thanks be to God for the gift of conversation. And now I invite us to continue to pray together. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your desire to lead our lives and to guide us and to hear from us as we hear from you. And we confess that we, we often limit ourselves, um, that we are often self-centered, uh, not really uh, trusting or believing, but God, uh, you know our hearts. And today we just, again, we confess, uh, we ask for your forgiveness, knowing that, that you desire that for us, to open our hearts to you, so we do that. And now we, we just, uh, God, we want to know your heart uh, and to seek your deepest desires as we align with you. And as a church, as your church, Schweitzer, we pray, we pray deeply that we would be a church that honors and glorifies you, that we be a place of deep, deep faith that is contagious, that we offer endless hope and bright light to the world, and that we uh, are a place of transformational love. Holy God, we love you, we trust you, and now we pray together with confidence and humility the prayer you taught us in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now as we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's provision and care in our lives. And we respond to God with with our generosity, we reflect God's good and generous character when we give back. And we thank you for your generosity, your giving, your tithes and offerings that make such a difference in the lives of people here on this campus of Schweitzer and well beyond, and especially in our community. And most recently, 
We're excited and really thankful for your giving and how it really matters. And Sheila, who is our uh, Director of First Impressions, is here to tell us more again about how your giving impacts others. Let's watch. Hi, Schweitzer friends. I'm here to thank you for serving as the hands and feet of Christ as we reach out to the healthcare community in these recent months. As we all know, they've been overwhelmed by this pandemic and you have served in so many different ways to give them encouragement and to tell them how much we appreciate them. Our congregation has sponsored pizza, you've sent donuts, you've sent snacks to frontline workers, you've provided shock art messages on the sidewalks for the workers as they go into work each day, You've written wonderful notes of encouragement and thanks that have meant so much to these people. And most recently, you've provided care packages for area care facilities, for the folks that take care of our elderly and provide so much love in such difficult times. Thank you so much for all you do and all you continue to do for God's people. Thanks, Sheila. We really appreciate your ministry and leadership. And we can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks so much. And now it's week three of Elijah Just Like Us. Here's Pastor Spencer. This is the story of a man. The story of a man raised up by God in a time of spiritual and moral decline. The story of a man who would bring the nation of Israel back to God. But this is not the story of a warrior, a superhero, or even a king. This is the story of Elijah. Someone just like us. After the prophets of Baal were massacred, Elijah said to Ahab, Up on your feet, eat and drink, celebrate. Rain is on the way. I hear it coming. The drought had continued for three years now, and Ahab remembered what Elijah had said back at the start. There will be a great drought. Neither rain nor dew will touch the earth unless I give the word. This was it. Elijah was giving the word. Baal, the god of rain, had been defeated. So Ahab did as Elijah said and got up and ate and drank. Meanwhile, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. Then he said to his young servant who was with him, Quick, look toward the sea. The servant looked but saw nothing. Keep looking, said Elijah. Seven times if necessary. And sure enough, seventh time the servant said, Wait, I see a cloud, a very small cloud rising out of the sea. Go quickly then and tell Ahab, Get moving down from the mountain before the rain stops you from traveling. Things happened fast. The sky grew black with monstrous clouds. The wind grew wild. The heavy rain fell, and Ahab traveled quickly in his chariot to Jezreel. The strength of God filled Elijah, 
and he hiked up his robes and ran in front of Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad you're here with us. Uh, Today, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18, wrapping up uh, this chapter. We were on it last week as well, and this is the video we just watched was the final few verses of 1 Kings chapter 18. This is part three of our series on Elijah. And Elijah is one of those people, of course, in the Bible who is just so incredibly inspiring. He is somebody who lives his convictions. He's bold, he's brave, he trusts God, even when it comes back against him and there's challenges and he's got his you know, skin in the game. He's just so bold, um, so much conviction. He's also somebody who sees God move in miraculous and powerful ways. And, and it's just so inspiring as you read through his story. And sometimes when you read stories like this and about people in the Bible like this, it's, it's easy to forget that these are also people. Elijah's a person just, just like us. And he's got his challenges and his setbacks. He's got all kinds of um, struggles and doubts, which we'll get to in this series. But, but he's uh, somebody who's just like us. And, and as we go through this, my, my hope for us is that we would be encouraged to see that just as God moves in Elijah's life, he can move in your life. Uh, because the same God is at work in Elijah is at work in you. So today, 1 Kings chapter 18, wrapping up this, this chapter, started it last week. 18 is um, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible because it's the showdown of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, which is what we looked at last week. This showdown to prove to the people of Israel that the Lord Yahweh, He is the one that you should trust. Not this false god Baal that the people have been trusting in, uh, that the King Ahab and his wife Queen Jezebel have been leading the people to trust. No, Elijah shows up to to make the point, stop wavering between these two gods and choose to follow the Lord, the Lord alone. So follow him. And so the showdown happens. And there's this this, uh, moment on Mount Carmel where Elijah calls the people and and uh, there's these two prophets, the prophets of Baal and the prophet Elijah, and they have these two sacrifices, one to this false god Baal and one to the Lord, and whichever God answers by fire, that, that is the true God. And so 1 Kings 18 has this incredible showdown uh, between the prophets of, Eli- the, of Baal and the prophet Elijah to, to call the people back to worship the Lord. And so, so all of Elijah's ministry so far that we've seen, this is part three of the series, all of Elijah's ministry has been meant to call the people of Israel back to the Lord because they've been wandering and drifting towards this false god, Baal. Now, Baal is the Canaanite god of storms and rain. And so when we first met Elijah in week one, is chapter 17 of 1 Kings, what we, what we saw was that Elijah shows up and begins to preach immediately that the Lord is going to cause a drought. And he's causing a drought because this false god Baal can't actually bring rain. And so the, the, the showdown on the mountain, again, it's, it's, it's about this, this promise the Lord can provide, not this false god Baal. So now that we're on the, on the heels of that showdown, at the final few verses of, of chapter 18, Elijah and King Ahab, they're on the mountain, they're talking, and Elijah tells them that he, he, he can hear the sound of rain coming. It's like it's bright and sunny outside. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's been three years since it's rained. There's drought is so severe. And Elijah, he tells him, I, I can hear the sound of rain. He sends his, his, uh, his servant out seven times to go look off the mountain. Is there rain coming towards the east, towards the sea? Which, of course, any time you see something happen in the Bible in a cycle of seven. That's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Always pay attention to that. And finally, after the seventh time, the, the, the servant comes back to Elijah and says, I see a, a cloud way off in the distance. It's, it's so small, like, like the size of a fist, but, 
But Elijah is saying God is graciously going to bring rain to us. He's going to provide for us because this is who he is. And so this drought is ending because of God's gracious work. Now, what I find so interesting about uh, this final few verses of 1 Kings 18, and why I wanted to separate these few verses from from last week, even though they really fit together with this showdown on the mountain, is because the New Testament book of James uses these very specific verses, this specific scene from Elijah's life to, uh, to, to, to be a point of teaching about how prayer happens, and how effective prayer is in, in our lives. And so I want to go to James and, and read these, uh, these, this teaching here about, about the effectiveness of prayer because it's based on this exact, um, these exact verses from 1 Kings 18 today with this, this line from Elijah's life. So let's go to James. Um, in chapter 5 is where this, this teaching starts in verse 13, where Elijah is the example of a faithful, effective prayer. So here's how the teaching goes. Starts off, says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So the teaching starts off very simple. Are you in trouble? Are you happy? Are you sick? Here's the solution. Pray, pray, pray. No matter what it is you're challenged with, go ahead and pray. No matter what it is that's happening in your life, You should pray because the backbone of the Christian life is prayer. I'm going to say that again. The backbone of the Christian life is prayer. Now, there's this uh, legend in church history and tradition. We don't know if it's true or not, but there's this, this legend that James, who wrote this, that he had a nickname that sometimes people would call him uh, camel knees because his, his knees, supposedly, according to tradition, were, were all like, swollen and gnarly looking and and kind of beat up because James lived so much of his life on his knees in prayer. Like this is who he was. And it's, it's, I don't don't know if that's true or not, but it's interesting to think about that for James, like what he's writing here about whatever might be happening in your life, you should pray. Like this isn't just a thought exercise for James. Like the tradition is like, no, this is how he lived so much that his his knees were all gnarly and, and swollen uh, like, like a camel's knees because the backbone of cre- the Christian life is prayer. The backbone of the Christian life is prayer. And here's why. Here's what we keep reading here as we keep going. Verse 15 says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So notice that prayer here is not just to to make you feel better, like therapeutically, just make you happier. No, no, no. James is teaching that prayer is actually effective at changing the circumstances of our lives. So the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And this next verse is so, so, so important. The next line here says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm going to read that to you one more time. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. In fact, if you're reading from your own Bible, you need to underline that verse, circle those words, highlight them. Prayer of a righteous person is two words here. Powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. And I bring those two words up, powerful and effective, because Let's just be honest. Sometimes prayer doesn't feel all that powerful or effective, does it? I mean, sometimes, let's just be honest, 
sometimes it feels like maybe you're just talking to the ceiling. Or, or other times, maybe prayer feels like it's just kind of a waste of time because there's other things that you gotta do. There's like real things I gotta do. I don't have time to pray because there's like real things that I have to do in my life. I don't have time to pray. It's a waste of time. I, I had this friend, my, 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 one of my best friends, his name is John. He, several years ago, maybe five years ago, he started a church in Tulsa. Uh, we talk often, uh, really share life together in, in so many ways. I'm one of my best friends. And so he started this church in Tulsa. And uh, I remember when it was still like in dream phase, uh, we had some conversations about what it was. And we've talked really throughout his, his time starting this church because I've, I've always been interested in church planning. I think it's such an important thing for the American church to be leaning into in this season that we're in. Because if you think about it, as the American population has grown, uh, the number of churches necessarily hasn't. And so we need to be growing with the American population to reach people. Church planning is one of the best ways to reach new people. And so my buddy, he's, he's starting this new church and I was talking to him about how he's gonna do it. I was really interested in like the nuts and bolts, like the strategy. What are you actually gonna do to reach new people? And I was talking to him like, what, you know, what's your strategy? How are you gonna reach new people? How are you gonna get your name out there? What are you gonna do to, to attract people to come to this church? Cause there's no reason to, there's no, there's no church body yet. Like, what are you gonna do to get people like in the building to come? You can do big events, you're gonna do a bunch of marketing. Like, what does it look like to actually get people to come to this brand new church? I was asking him these questions, really nuts and bolts questions. And he's like, well, first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. I was like, well, I, I know you're going to pray, John. Like, I, I know that about you, but like, what are you going to, what are you going to do though? I know you're going to pray, but what are you going to, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, I, I, we're, we're going to pray. John, John, I know you're going to pray, but like, what are you going to do to actually reach people, to, to connect with them and build the relationships and bring them in? What are you going to actually do? And he's like, no, we're, we don't know how to do those things yet. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to pray, which is exactly what they did. They, their first public meetings were, were prayer meetings just to, just to pray. And, and this, uh, this summer I preached in that church as a, as a guest preacher and there's like 400 people there. Like it worked. Like there, there's this, this, maybe this feeling that sometimes we have that, that prayer is like this waste of time because there's actually things that I need to do to, like to move the ball forward in my life or the things that I'm struggling with, the challenges I have. But here's an idea. Maybe the first thing to, to do is to, actually pray because prayer is powerful and effective. It actually moves the needle in our life. It changes how things happen in our life. It's powerful and effective. This is why no matter what it is you're facing, whether you're sick or happy or, or, or you're in trouble or whatever it might feel like in your life, the first thing to do is to pray. Not the last thing, not the thing when you, you do the leftover time in your life. No, the first thing you do is to pray because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement, he used to say this. He said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer because prayer is powerful and effective. And to make this point, uh, James is going to turn to Elijah, the, the example that we have here of a righteous person whose prayer life is powerful and effective. So here's what he says about Elijah. Verse 17, he says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. Let's say that a bit more clearly. Uh, Elijah was a man just like us, just like us, just like you. Elijah was a person just like you. All the same questions, doubts, struggles that you have. Elijah is the same way. He's a human just like you. Nothing special about him. But he also understands that prayer is powerful and effective. He's an example of powerful and effective prayer. So the next line says this, 
that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Elijah is the example here of powerful and effective prayer that God moved powerfully in Elijah's life that, that, that he is this example of what it is. In fact, um, this teaching here in James chapter five, this is why I wanted to do this, this series on Elijah. This was what really drew me to be thinking about Elijah, that he's a person just like us and he saw God move in incredible, incredible ways just like we can, just like we can. I mean, Elijah is this living example of powerful and effective uh, prayer. And James has a very simple point in using Elijah as this example, because James' simple point is this. God used Elijah, God moved powerfully in Elijah's life, and in the same way, God can move powerfully in your life. Because the miraculous power that it was at work in Elijah's life did not come from Elijah. No, 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 the miraculous power that is at work in Elijah's life came from the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives in you when you belong to Christ. So if the promise of the scripture is that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, that it can change our life, that it opens us up to the, to the move of God in the same way that, that Elijah's life did, well, why is it then that sometimes prayer feels weak and ineffective? Why is it that sometimes prayer feels like it doesn't do anything at all? Why is it that sometimes prayer doesn't feel like it moves the needle in the slightest bit and doesn't accomplish anything? Why is it that sometimes that's how prayer feels when the promise of the scripture is that prayer is powerful and effective? And so let's, let's wrestle with that question for just a little bit. And to do that, um, let's look at another teaching of prayer in the Bible, something that Jesus taught. And I wanna go there because this is in Luke chapter 11, this other teaching in the Bible. And uh, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is going to teach something very similar to what we just read in James chapter 5. And I think it gets to this question of, if this is the promise that's in the scripture of powerful and effective prayer, like Elijah lived, why is it that sometimes our prayer life doesn't feel like that? Because what Jesus is going to teach here on prayer is probably not how most of us approach prayer in our own life. So Luke chapter 11, it starts off like this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, I love this little detail here that the reason for this teaching we're about to read, it comes from Jesus' own life. Like Jesus is somebody who prayed. Jesus is somebody who devoted his life to seeking after the Lord in prayer. Because remember what I said? Prayer is the backbone of the Christian life. You can't, you can't live the Christian life if you, if you don't live a life of prayer. And so Jesus, he demonstrated this. His disciples watch him do this. They're like, ah, I want to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. And so Jesus now starts in Luke 11 to teach about prayer. Starts off with the Lord's Prayer. That's what he, he goes to next. You know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All the, that thing, we, the prayer we pray in church every Sunday. In fact, in February, I did a teaching on the Lord's Prayer. It's on our website. If you want to go back and watch that, you can. If there's something you want to learn about is the Lord's Prayer. We got a detailed pre, uh, teaching on that from, from February. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move past that because I want to see what it gets really interesting what Jesus says right after he wraps up the Lord's Prayer, this, this framework for prayer. Because his disciples come to him, teach us to pray. He gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then listen to what he says right after that because it's so, so interesting. The very next verse, verse 5, says, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, 
Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything, which is how strange is it that this is the story that follows the Lord's prayers. Like you got this buddy who comes to you at midnight with this need. You got this other friend who doesn't get up to help him. He's a terrible friend. Like this is such a strange way to wrap up the Lord's prayer to follow that up with. But here's what he says next. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your, listen to these next two lines, next two words here. It says, your, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. All right, shameless audacity. We're gonna keep reading here what Jesus says in just a second, but I'm gonna pause there and talk about this, 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 this term here, shameless audacity, the key to powerful and effective prayer. Jesus is gonna say here that you pray with shameless audacity. So what are we talking about? Shameless audacity. Now, if you know the Bible very well, maybe you've heard this uh, verse translated in a different way because some translations have translated this, this, this phrase from the original Greek, shameless audacity, with uh, the word persistence. It's kind of an older way of translating it, which is really unfortunate because that's not really what Jesus is getting at here. And, and sometimes if you use the word persistence, it almost sounds like the, the way you get God to answer your prayers is if you just nag him to death, which is not what we're saying here. And, and certainly there is, you know, persistence in prayer is a very good thing. I mean, some of us have things that we've been praying for for years and years and years. Maybe you've got people in your life that you've been praying for for years and years and years. And you need to keep praying for them. But that's not what this idea here is about, that the reason, the way to get our prayers answers is through, is through just nagging God to death. Instead, shameless audacity, it, it means something else. So remember, um, Luke was not written in English. That's what we're reading from here. Luke 11. It's not written in English and, and is written in Greek. And um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all these, all these verse, uh, books in the Bible and the New Testament were written in Greek. And uh, what's interesting about this, though, is that while the New Testament was written in Greek and it was done so in order to, tr to travel throughout the Greek-speaking world of the first century, because basically everyone in the Mediterranean world in the first century spoke Greek, so the New Testament was written so it could travel broadly. What's interesting about that, though, is that whenever you're reading the words of Jesus, you have to realize that Jesus didn't say this in Greek. He spoke this in Aramaic. So when we read our English Bibles, we're reading like a translation of a translation of what Jesus would have actually said. And so there are scholars who spend their whole lives trying to kind of like back translate what is it that Jesus would have actually said in his native language because he wouldn't have said this in Greek. Luke would have translated this into Greek and then we have translated it in English. And so what would it have actually been? And, and so some scholars, we don't know this for sure, but some scholars believe that the word here for shameless audacity would have been really closely linked to the modern Hebrew word chutzpah. Have you heard that before? Chutzpah? It's the idea that um, chutzpah is somebody who just like says whatever it is on their mind. They have like no, no shame about what they're going to say. They're going to be brash and bold. Um, chutzpah is like the kind of person who just lives with an incredible nerve or backbone. They've got like guts. They take chances and risk. And this is what it, what it means. So like, so modern Hebrew, we'll talk about people with chutzpah, people who are just really, really bold and brave and just really go out on the limb and risk taking. And this is, what a lot of scholars believe is what Jesus would have been referring to with this shameless audacity as somebody who lives their life with nerve and backbone and guts, which is a really interesting um, way of describing prayer. 
I mean, when was the last time you would have described your prayer life with words like nerve or backbone or guts? When was the last time you thought about your prayers as being risky or bold or brave? Like when was the last time you thought about how your prayers are making you take your life and maybe step out on the limb where where it's a really little bit risky out there? And yet this is what Jesus is teaching here, that the the powerful and effective prayers that we pray are are because we are being bold and brave. That's this chutzpah, the shameless audacity that we would live our prayer life with just a sense of nerve and guts. And this is how he keeps going because listen to what he says exactly next. Verse nine, he says, So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. And so the very next thing Jesus says here is, you wanna be powerful and effective prayer? Well, here's, here's a key, don't be passive. Ask, seek, knock. These are active words. Prayer is not something where you just sit back and wait for things to happen to you. Jesus' teaching here is like, have some audacity, have some nerve, have some backbone, step out in faith, take some action here, live your life, your prayer life in particular in a bold kind of way because if you're gonna be a bold person, that begins with how you pray. Um, in our church, with our, with our staff, uh, we've put on all of our job descriptions for our church staff this, this line, which I, I wish I came up with it, but I just think it's so great. And we ask our staff, we say, okay, we want you to have um, initiatives or goals, new ministries that are so big. And we have this line here, we say that, quote, stretch the prayer life of our church. I love that. Like we, we don't wanna be a church that plays it safe. We don't wanna be a church that just does what we've always done. We don't wanna be a church that doesn't risk and, 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 and step out on the limb in faith. We wanna be the kind of church that we have goals and dreams that are so big that if the Lord isn't a part of them, it doesn't work, which is really how the life of faith works, that we wanna live our life in such a way that if the Lord isn't a part of it, it doesn't work. But you can only get there when, when you live with boldness. And the way that you live with boldness is when this begins with our prayer life. And Jesus is very, very clear about this. You wanna have powerful and effective prayers? Well, pray for God's power. Pray for God's miraculous work. Pray with nerve, with backbone. Pray for, for God to be at work in your life. Like here's, here's something to think about. What are the things that you need God to do for you you need God to do in the world. You need God to do in people around you that, that only he can do. Like what would it look like if you were to pray in a way that took risk and chance with the details of your life? Because honestly, most of us, when we come to prayers, we come with general kind of bland prayers. Like we, we pray things like this. We're like, dear God, would you please bless me today? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Anytime we pray is good, but how general and bland is that when Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Ask, seek, knock, pray with shameless audacity, nerve, backbone, take some chance, some risk. I mean, here, you wanna see God move powerfully in your life? Well, you need to pray for God to move powerfully in your life. You wanna see the miraculous hand of God? You've gotta pray for the miraculous hand of God. And, and here's why we do, here's why we pray with shameless audacity, with a, uh, with chutzpah. Here's, here's why we do this. The very next line here, Jesus says, he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, um, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Why is it that we can pray with shameless audacity? 
Well, because God in his nature is good. He's not out to trick us. He's not out to, to have us fail. He's not out for us to be on our own, on an island by ourselves. He wants to be with us. He wants to move in our life. God, as Jesus says, he doesn't give you a scorpion. He gives you gifts. This is who he is. This is what his nature is like. And so therefore, we can come before him with all kinds of boldness. We can have nerve and backbone and we can ask the Lord for things that we can just barely imagine because his power is available to us. It's the prayer of a righteous person. It's powerful and effective. And one reason is because it actually believes that God is able to move and to work in our lives. And so we have Elijah, this prophet of the Lord, who is sent to the people of Israel. He lives his convictions. He's bold. He's brave. Honestly, he's had some chutzpah. He's got guts, nerves, some backbone. He lives his life with shameless audacity. He sees God move in miraculous ways around him. And here's the truth of the scripture. Ready for it? He's just like you. There's nothing special about him. The same Holy Spirit that is at work in his life is available to you. The same Holy Spirit that moved miraculously to bring the rain, it's the same Holy Spirit that fills you. The same God who sent Elijah with boldness to the people of Israel, he is in your life too. He's just like you. And so friend today, I just, I wanna offer you a word of encouragement to be brave, to be bold, to come before the Lord, not in fear and trembling, but with some nerves, some backbone, some, some guts when you come to pray, with shameless audacity, with chutzpah, just like Elijah. Let's pray. And so Father, today we are encouraged. We are encouraged by this prophet of the Lord, this man who comes before you, the people of Israel, with the incredible boldness. And we wanna be like Elijah. We wanna have the kinds of prayers that are powerful and effective. Whether we're in trouble, we're sick, we're happy, whatever might be going on in our life, Lord, would you make us to be people of prayer? People of prayer who are bold and brave because this begins to translate into our life that we can then live bold and brave prayers. And I wanna pray for any of my friends here today who, who, who maybe they've got things in their life that are overwhelming them today. They need to see the miraculous hand of God. And today is a day to commit themselves, not to try to do more in their life, but to begin with prayer, to begin with trusting you with every detail of their life. And for anyone here who's watching this, who doesn't know this power of God, who doesn't know the love of God, that you are good, that you give good gifts, today would be a day to turn our lives over to you, to trust you with our lives with a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin and would you lead my life? God, you are so good to us. You love us. You want to work on our life. And so would you encourage us today to live like Elijah, brave and bold, powerful and effective kind of prayer life. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for being in worship today. It's been a great, great morning. Special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected. Also to the worship team for leading us. We really appreciate you. Spencer, for the message, thanks so much. If anybody that you know could benefit from this message, share, share it on social media. Uh, bless others with this message. And now we look forward to seeing you back next week. See you here next week for week four of Elijah, Just Like Us. Have a great week.